0: This podcast is brought to you by Recontract, the leading software to automate your reconditioning process. From vehicles to people to parts, Recontract streamlines every touch point in your recon process. Visit recontract.com slash AN to learn more. That's R-E-C-O-N-T-R-A-C dot com slash AN. Welcome to Daily Drive for Thursday, March 16th, 2023. I'm
1: Jake Neer, in for Jamie Butters. And I'm Callan Walker. Today on the show, Lithia's big arrival in the UK. Almost 30 dealers leave Ford's EV program. And customers aren't pleased with the cost and speed of home charging. Plus, we'll dig into new EV registration numbers And what that tells us about winners and losers from the Inflation Reduction Act's new tax credits.
2: It's basically just shifted the market to where they promised they would shift the market, right, to North American made of vehicles.
1: Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up the auto industry. Lithia Motors has succeeded
0: in its bid to enter the United Kingdom. That's with the purchase of Jardine Motors Group. Lithia CEO Brian DeBoer tells us at Automotive News that it's part of the retail giant's aggressive dealership acquisition strategy.
2: More importantly, it gives us a foundation to grow more in the United Kingdom over time, which is helping us drive towards our $50 billion target for
0: 2025. DeBoer said the deal was, quote, more affordable than what we typically find in the United States, but he did not disclose a specific amount. Britain's Sky News, citing a source, reported the price to be around $360 million to $480 million. DeBoer says that while the acquisition will not add brands to Lithia's portfolio, it will add depth. For instance, the deal gives Lithia its second and third Ferrari
1: stores. A small number of Ford dealers have dropped out of the automaker's EV certification program. That's after the automaker made changes in response to complaints raised by a majority of state dealer associations. Ford said the number of retailers in the Model E program is now down 1.5%, which represents 29 dealers. Meanwhile, a group of 46 dealers in North Carolina this month have filed a petition challenging the program with the state's commissioner of the Division of Motor Vehicles. It follows similar legal actions in New York and Illinois. Sean Mercer is an attorney, at Bass-Sox Mercer, which represents the dealers. Unfortunately, those changes were insufficient to address these dealer concerns. Among the changes, Ford said dealers no longer had to operate public electric vehicle chargers around the clock, and those in the lower price tier would not be capped at selling 25 EVs per year. A Ford spokesperson said the company was still pleased with the figures. Meanwhile, Ford is recalling
0: more than 1.3 million older model sedans globally for front brake hoses that might rupture and leak brake fluid. The recall covers certain 2013 to 2018 Ford Fusion and Lincoln MKZ vehicles. The vast majority of the vehicles are in the U.S., with about 66,000 in Canada and 18,000 in Mexico. Ford told the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration it was aware of one report of an accident
1: with no mention of injury related to this condition. An EV owner's satisfaction with the home charging experience dropped last year. A new report from J.D. Power says that's because of high cost of charging, slow charging speed, and limited charging education. More than two-thirds of EV owners use a mounted Level 2 home charger Their satisfaction with charging declined 12 points last year to 740 on a 1,000-point scale. EV owners who use a Level 1 or Portable Level 2 charger also reported a decline in satisfaction. J.D. Power says a positive home charging experience is critical to EV satisfaction and adoption because 85% of regular EV charging is done at home. And those are today's headlines. Coming up, We'll talk more about that subject of EV adoption with our own Lawrence Iliff, who has been digging into new vehicle registration data. He'll give us a glimpse of the winners and losers from new EV tax credits. That's next on Daily Drive.
0: Across the Hendrick Automotive Group, each store had a different reconditioning process. They started looking for a solution that would help them standardize their processes, give them actionable information, and ultimately drive efficiency. Knowing they needed to bring together all pieces of their operation to cut cycle times down to their goal of three days, they chose recon track. Chris Little, vice president of variable operations, explains why having the tools to measure your recon process gives you what you need to manage it more effectively.
1: Everyone knows speed uh, to the front line uh, equates to more turns, which helps the overall company do better in terms of parts service and inventory bias. And so uh, when you can really take the time to measure and manage that uh, and perfect that, uh, you're going to increase your turns, you're going to increase your gross profit, and you're really just going to increase the amount of used cars you can sell uh, because you're getting them out on the front line.
0: Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jake Neer with Kellen Walker. Electric vehicles built in North America took the top eight spots for new EV registrations in January. That's according to Experian data. The losers, imported models from Hyundai and Kia. Our own Lawrence Iliff has been digging into the new Experian data. He spoke with Jamie about the biggest takeaways for the EV market.
3: Lonnie Iliff, welcome back to Daily Drive. It's great to be here. I love it when you come on the show to talk about new vehicle registrations and what's Really happening in the EV market. I mean, top line, the EV market grew 74% in January compared with the year earlier, bringing it to 7.1% of new registrations up from 4.3% last January. But of course, not everyone benefited equally. Uh, What stood out to you?
2: What I thought was really interesting that there's kind of two parts of the market, right? Tesla, which is you know a little <laughs> over fifty five percent, and then there's everybody else. So the everybody else market's a little more interesting, right? There's a little more movement and jockeying. And what really uh, jumped out to me when I was looking at the January numbers is that the cars made in North America, right? The Chevy Bolt, the now the ID Four is made in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And obviously the Maquis is made in North America. These are the cars that are really doing well compared to the imported cars that previously were doing really well, right? So the Hyundai Ionic 5 and the Kia EV6, you know, burst onto the scene about a year ago and just rose right up the charts. And Hyundai and Kia were, you know, typically right after Tesla and Ford, right? It was Tesla, Ford, and then Hyundai, Kia, And they were doing great. And then in August, when the tax credit changed, right, for only North American-made vehicles, and then you saw, you know, Hyundai and Kia really take a hit. I mean, they were just cruising up the charts. They were doing great. And, you know, now they've come back to the charts, and it's Tesla, Ford, Chevy, and Volkswagen. There's a lot of really interesting things happening in, you know, the the non-Tesla world. The Tesla world's interesting, but for different reasons.
3: Sure. So. Let's dig in a little more on Hyundai and Kia. I mean, they really slipped in the ranks of the top vehicles, but it was funny to me because they both grew faster than the overall segment. Kia was up 84% and Hyundai was up 93%. Um, They have really two models kind of evenly splitting uh, their sales. They outgrew the market, but not the other top contenders. Ford's registrations more than doubled, VWs more than tripled, and Chevy's registrations Rose, I I just can't even believe this number, almost (laughs) 50-fold. Yeah, right, because, yeah. Explain for the audience what happened with Chevy.
2: Yeah, so, you know, at this time last year, Chevy was not selling uh, the Bolt, right? There was a um, problem with the battery, and they ended up changing out all the batteries for all the Bolts ever made. And so... The Bolt sales, you know, this time last year were like 15 or 16 or something between the two models. And then Chevy also cut the price. So, I mean, that's interesting too. You know, another thing that that jumped out talking about this is, you know, the budget EVs. That's another part of the story, right? I mean, obviously the tax credit plays into that, but, you know, the Bolt is under 30000 and then you put a tax credit on top of it, maybe a state tax credit. No, you know, you got yourself a 20 something thousand dollar EV with 250 miles of range, right? The VW ID4 that they're making in Chattanooga, they're now making the standard grade version, right? So you give up some range about 50 miles, you know, you get a little over 200 rather than 260, but that price is 38, right? And then you put a $7,500 on that. And so I think there's, a you know, a combination of factors, but the tax credit, You know, affordable EVs are a big deal. Now, the Kia and the Hyundai are not necessarily expensive EVs, but they're expensive compared to their gasoline hybrid counterparts without the tax credit. They're very competitive with the tax credit. But so that's that's, you know, where we're headed with the tax credit. Well, you know,
3: there's been so there was so much criticism. Of the inflation reduction act and you know lack of stimulus for ev sales So the the common refrain especially in the ev world was you know if you want to incentivize evs you should incentivize evs instead of having all these other rules but what we're seeing of course we're seeing all the investment in battery plants and and mining and we'll see how that plays out over the next you know five to ten years but a lot of the changes in the market are kind of what congress had in mind more affordable evs Uh, for, you know, everyday consumers, not just for the 1% or the top 10% of consumers, and really boosting, like you said, the vehicles that are made here in North America.
2: Yeah, I I mean, I think it's surprising in a way, because you're right, when you looked at the Inflation Reduction Act, it's like, oh my God, there's all these rules that weren't there before, have to be made in North America, and then we're going to come to the battery rules later, right? You know, a price cap for the vehicle, income cap for buyers, and then, as it turns out, you know, it's basically just shifted the market to where they promised they would shift the market, right? To North American-made vehicles, which are becoming, you know, more affordable. And um, you know, I think it's lucky, right, that Volkswagen—they didn't know what was mm-hmm. going to happen with that. the Inflation Reduction <laughs> Act when they're building their plant, but they want to be—they want to be a serious player, right? And so, um, you know, Hyundai and Kia—they are building a plant, right? And they are starting production on their first EV as we speak, right? Which is the Genesis GV70 electrified. And so, you know, that's going to come with the tax credit. And then obviously, you know, it's interesting. BMW had a vehicle in the top 10 in January, the i4 and, you know, I would be curious to look like how many, if they're building in the lease deal with the $7,500 or if it's just in an in income bracket where people aren't too worried about the tax credit. But the tax credit has a lot of stuff going on. You can build in a lease if you have an imported vehicle or you have an income cap or price cap. And so I think you're right that it's much more effective, much more quickly than a lot of people suspect it.
3: The other you mentioned the uh, electric uh, Genesis being made in Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, Hyundai is also doing a little bit with passing through the lease credit, uh, which is an option for finance companies. Kia doesn't seem to be doing that. How does that play into the market?
2: Yeah. So the thing is, you have to know about it, right? Um, <laughs> this is actually something that, that that goes back for years, right? So if you couldn't take the seventy five hundred dollars off your taxes then you don't get the break or if you could take it just a portion off it, right? But a lot of companies, Hyundai, uh, you know, was building in these into leases for a long time. Volkswagen was building them into leases. Obviously, the automaker is not obligated to give you the $7,500 through a lease program, even though they're going to get it, right? But some of the companies have decided, and I just looked, Hyundai has has a lease deal right now. That you know brings your Ionic Five down seventy five hundred dollars off the price, right? Your lease is based on the price, and then after three years, you could just buy it, you know, based on the lower price. And so, I think the problem with that is that there's certain segments of the market where people aren't really used to leasing vehicles, and so you know maybe that will change because if you you have to run all the numbers, it's kind of complicated, but once you get there. You could get an Ionic 5, you know, with the 7,500 tax credit if you really want it.
3: We've used up almost all our time, but we should talk at least a little bit about this majority of the market known as Tesla. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. Tesla's market share fell to uh, 57% from 74% a year earlier. Uh, brand sales okay. rose uh, 34%, but it's really those two dominant models at the top, right? The Model 3 alone outsold Ford and Chevy combined. And the Model Y, I just have to r- rattle this off, outsold Ford, Chevy, VW, Hyundai, BMW, Kia, and Rivian electric vehicles combined.
2: <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> no, and remember the Model Y got a $13,000 price cut for the month we're talking about January. It inched up later on, but we're, we're talking about January here. And on January 1st, it got the $7,500 credit right and so i mean that's really compelling that's you know 20 something grand and then maybe in california where most tesla sales are you get another two grand and then your local utility will give you money you know it's just an incredibly compelling deal and the model 3 also got a smaller price cut but you know everybody's growing right tesla's going to come down in terms of market share people are going to grab the market share and you know that's going to be interesting too. How far Tesla will come down? How aggressive other people will be with pricing?
3: But Tesla's still growing too, right? Even though they they built their two plants in North America, and now they're looking for to build a, another one, but you know in Mexico. But I mean, Texas is still ramping up. It was not at full speed right. last January.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you know. I guess I expected a slightly bigger number from Tesla, but, you know, the price cut didn't really kick in until mid-month, right? So it's going to be interesting to look at February. I think, you know, maybe February would be even better for for Tesla because they'll have the whole month with the price cuts rather than half the month with the price cuts. And so, you know, they want to grow 50% a year globally. It was 40% last year, you know if they hit 40% in the US and they really could, then that's a good number.
3: Absolutely, and uh, we'll be checking in on those February numbers with you in about a month. Lonnie Isla, thank you for all your great work out there in Silicon Valley covering the EV market and well-funded EV companies. Thanks again for joining me.
2: It was great to be here.
0: That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jake Neer, in for Jamie
1: Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to our own Julie Walker, Michael Martinez, Audrey LaForest, and Hannah Lutz for their help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on new vehicle registrations, retail, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a conversation about how to coach
0: dealership service advisors to improve their customer interactions. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.